It's episode number four of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hey, all my lady friends, it's episode four. Hope you all had a fabulous holiday if you're listening in after the 4th of July. I did. I had a great time. I spent a lot of time with my friends and family, as I pretty much always do on the 4th of July. Lots of sun. It was a great weekend here in Colorado, weather-wise. So took advantage of that. Had some really delicious food, of course, and... Yeah, just celebrated. So it was a great time. Now I'm ready to get back and let's talk about some keto stuff. First, we'll update you on some things. Like I mentioned last week uh, in episode three, there is a specific email address for this show and for any questions you have pertaining to keto. So if you want to get in touch with me about keto, use this email. It is info at ketoforwomenshow.com. Some people have been saying that it has been bouncing back, but that's because you're not putting show in there. So it's not info at keto for women. It's info at ketoforwomenshow.com. That will really help me make sure to get to your questions here. Uh, If you just go to my other email address, it might be a little bit harder because I just have to filter out so much there. So That's the email address here. Secondly, officially, the enrollment for the Fat Burning Female Project is on. It's here. It's early enrollment right now. Probably, I would say, for maybe another day or two. If you're listening to this when it airs on Friday, the, let's see, that'll be Friday the 7th, uh, it will go up to its regular rate Monday. So you want to, if you want to join in on the Fat Burning Female Project, you know it's something that would be really good for you. You want to make sure you're doing keto right. You want my help along the way. You want the ability to ask me all your questions because I will definitely answer them in those six weeks. And to have a community to do it with of other ladies who are probably going through similar health issues or um, maybe dietary issues. All kinds of women go through that course. Women of all ages, too, which is important. I know we have a pretty big range of ages of women that want to try keto and are doing it for health reasons, and they've all been through the project, too, so it's it's good for everyone. But if you want to do that and you know it's for you, I would get in before Sunday because it's 33% off of the original rate right now, so then you can get a little discount. Um, that's going on. And then we start the actual course July 24th. So that's when we all start becoming fat burners together. It'll be a good time. What else can I tell you? I think that's about it. Um, just to keep you guys posted because it's all about you anyway. You're the reason why this is even in my world right now. This podcast is still sitting in the top five of all fitness and nutrition podcasts 
uh, we're kind of bounced back and forth between one and three and four and two, just kind of bouncing back based on the other podcasts that are up there when they release their episodes. But we're hanging in there. This is so great. I mean, it really just shows how much we needed this, you know, how much we as women need to talk as women in this keto world and and really try to make it work for us. And, And it's just a little different. So I'm glad that we're doing it. I'm glad I'm here for you. I'm glad you're enjoying it and tuning in every week. It means so, so much to me. If you really are getting the information that you are looking for, please let me know over on iTunes and leave a review. That's really the best way for me to you can basically kind of cheerlead me on here (laughs) because uh, otherwise it's just me talking to myself. If I know that you're out there and you're enjoying it, then it makes it that much better to sit here and talk to myself. So yeah, head over there, iTunes, leave me a review. Let me know what you think. I would so appreciate it. Okay, we're going to talk specifically today about working out on the ketogenic diet. Because I think that that's yet another topic. You know, we've kind of used these first few episodes starting this podcast to really kind of uh, explain some things away, maybe explain some things that you have heard about one way or the other, keto being good, keto being bad for certain things. And so now I want to turn the table and, and talk about the world of fitness and ketosis because there's some conflicting information out there, as is the case with pretty much everything we read about keto. You can find cases for all of it. I got some really good questions from you guys about, you know, certain kinds of fitness activities that you like to do and if keto is good or bad or how to best go about it so that you continue to feel really good while doing keto, but also wanting to keep your your workouts going. I'm going to read, I have two questions specifically that I'm going to read from some listeners, and then we'll kind of just really dial it back and talk about all of it from start to finish. But I just want to read these questions so that you guys can see if there's maybe some of you in what these readers are asking so that you can relate, okay? Here's the first one. This is from Shannon. Hey, Sean, after doing lots of research on the ketogenic diet over the past month, I am completely sold on its benefits and want to begin my self-experimentation. I am mostly intrigued by balancing out my mood and energy levels and for experiencing this food freedom you speak of. Oh my gosh, all good things that you should definitely want. My biggest concern, however, is that I love exercise, specifically lifting weights and CrossFit style training. I'm willing to adopt some more gentler styles of exercise, like lower intensity weightlifting, yoga, and walking during my transition, but I know I will want to get back into my higher intensity stuff at least three days a week. Lifting weights, having muscle, and getting stronger has been so empowering for me from a self-love standpoint, and I don't want to lose that. I'm scared because I've heard keto doesn't work for CrossFitters. I've heard carb ups can work well after exercise for this, but I also typically work out in the mid-afternoon and heard that eating carbs on keto, they are best eaten at night, but during the day, you want to fuel with mainly fats to stay in ketosis. I would love your insight into exercising on keto and all the different aspects of my dilemma. Shannon. Okay, so that's... You can see right there that someone doing research about ketogenic diets and lifting and CrossFit and all of these things have led her to have these opposing views like don't do it if you want to do CrossFit 
or have carbs after, but then don't have carbs in the afternoon. You can only have carbs at night. I mean, geez, no wonder we're all so confused and need this podcast to figure anything out. That's a lot of conflicting information there, right? You know, so we really need to clear this up. Okay, so that's question number one that's kind of guiding our topic today. Here's question number two. Oh, this is from Heather. Thanks for the Specific for Women podcast. I'm hoping you will delve a little deeper into the topic of endurance training and keto for women. I'm loving the hormone one now and taking a lot, but I've been a runner, fairly competitive in the local scene for 20 years, and I don't care to give that up. I am working with a functional medicine practitioner now, but I am and have battled some HPA, insulin resistance, and now secondary hypothyroid issues. Thank you for considering and doing this work, Heather. Okay, so again, uh, someone that really wants to keep the lifestyle that she has going and being uh, a competitive runner and, and working out pretty hard, it sounds like, and can ketosis really help her or harm her in that regard. So yeah, let's talk about all these. I'm going to dial it back. Like I said, we're going to take a little bit of a broad spectrum view of working out first. So I'm going to take off my nutritionist hat and put on my personal trainer hat because I was a personal trainer for a long time before I became just a nutritionist. And so I have that experience as well, which is really nice. But uh, now I can look at it from both lenses and see how we can really combine the two, which is awesome. There's basically two different types of exercise, and at least how we will be discussing them today. There's anaerobic exercise, and there's aerobic exercise. And basically, they, you know, you can uh, you can tell aerobic would be using oxygen, kind of a more aerobic state. Anaerobic, not using oxygen, so an anaerobic state. But they also differ in a lot of other ways too. Anaerobic is really how I like to think about it. Any workout or any activity that you would be doing for shorter than two minutes before you get a rest. So then you can think about things like heavy lifting, sprints, jumping, things like that. So anything where you are going to be doing a really pretty intense workout but then knowing you're getting a rest really quickly. Um, Anything that goes beyond that to where, say, it's been over two minutes and you're still going at kind of a a moderate pace, knowing you're going to be continuing that for an extended period of time, then that becomes aerobic. And that would be more things like walking, running, biking, hiking, dancing, those kinds of activities. So you can see the difference. One is more of a work really hard for a short duration, and one is work moderately knowing that you're going to be doing this for a longer time. That's how we can really decide which one we're doing at any given workout. But we also need to know that these different types also have different energy sources. So in anaerobic exercise, which are the ones where we're say, squatting 80% of our max, and then we take a break for three minutes before we do it again, something like that, or say sprinting on the treadmill for 20 seconds and then resting for 40, 
um, that's another good example too. Those kinds of activities, you are initially using sugar or glucose in the form of glycogen in our muscles to burn through and to start that workout. You will then uh, also kind of tap into fat stores as well, but you will always start with that glycogen in your muscle to get that workout going. In aerobic activity, like walking, running, doing, say like you're doing a marathon or a half marathon or um, biking across the town, so say it's a 20-mile bike, something like that, you are using fat as that primary fuel source. So you are tapping into the fat stores and um, and really using that as your main fuel source. A little bit of glucose is also used, of course. I mean, in both cases, we're using a little bit of each, but it just kind of depends on how long you're going and how intense that activity is as to how much glucose in the form of glycogen versus how much fat. Now, Interestingly enough, in both cases, when we are keto adapted and producing ketones, we will always have the ability to use those ketones for either one of these. So that's kind of what's really nice about ketosis and ketosis as it relates to working out because we're going to use ketones in both the anaerobic and the aerobic state when they are available. So that's really cool. Now, my here's my personal opinion. I really think that if unless you are an Olympic weightlifter or literally training for the Olympics or in the NBA or in the NFL, you know, like a serious athlete, you probably don't really need to worry too much about how to best use ketones versus how to best use glycogen and that kind of thing. It just is probably a little bit more than you really need to worry about when you're using ketosis to heal other things because all you really need to know is that no matter what workout you do, ketones are going to fuel you. They're going to be there for you. They're going to get you through that workout and especially the more you adapt, the better you feel in those workouts. You'll start noticing that maybe you can do more weight on your squat or maybe you can run a little further or a little faster on your long runs, something like that without really having, um, you know, quote unquote, fueled for that workout specifically. So that's really nice. And honestly, that was one of the things that I liked best about switching to a ketogenic diet myself is I've always been a a worker outer. I've always lifted. I actually prefer to do heavy lifting as my main workouts. It just makes me feel really good. Like Shannon said, it's very empowering and really helps with the self-love aspect, knowing you can be this uh, strong female. So I really like it. And then on the other days, I will do sprints sometime too. So these workouts are both really anaerobic. Before, I would really need to make sure that I carved up before my workout, at least 30 minutes before, I would have like an apple or banana or something like that. And then I would need to carve up after my workout too. So I'd have a sweet potato along with my lunch or something like that post-workout. 
And then once I got into ketosis, I didn't have to be so strict or so controlled with my pre and post workout meals. And I felt just as good, if not better in all of my workouts. So that was really another way that I was able to free up this whole food thought process because I wasn't having to like pack my protein shake and apple uh, and sweet potato and all this stuff because I was so paranoid about not replenishing my glycogen stores for my next workout and not having enough fuel to get through this current workout and that kind of thing, which rightfully so. I mean, I did that for a really long time and for good reason, but now I don't have to and it's just really, really nice. What I do now for my food intake on workout days, so I work out five days a week for sure, sometimes even six, but it will just be a hike or something. But I lift heavy three days a week and I dance two days a week. So those are for sure happening every single week. Now, what I do for my food intake is exactly the same on those days. I eat breakfast in the morning, a normal breakfast. Usually my breakfast consists of bacon and eggs and then some sort of vegetable cooked in the bacon fat. That's pretty much my standard. Sometimes I'll switch it up and do a sausage instead with eggs or sometimes I won't have eggs at all and I'll just do extra bacon or extra sausage. Always have a veggie in there cooked in some sort of fat though. Sometimes I have coconut oil and ghee in my tea. I do a dandy blend tea or something of that nature. Sometimes I just have coconut milk in there, just depending on how I feel, what it sounds good. Uh, So it just depends. Then I basically let that digest for about an hour and then I go work out. And then I come home from my workout and then I eat lunch. (laughs) So sometimes it's right after if I'm hungry. Sometimes it's more like an hour or an hour and a half after I'm home before I get around to eating. It just kind of depends. It depends on how long my workout was, what I did, really just if I'm hungry or not, to be honest. If I've worked up an appetite, I'm definitely going to eat. And then I just eat lunch, which is usually some sort of salad with some beef on it or salmon or something like that. Lots of dressing, mayo, almond cheese, dark chocolate. That's pretty much my typical And then I just kind of go about my day. So as you can see, I'm really not doing any sort of specific pre or post workout thing because of the workout I'm doing. And that's so nice. Like I said, it's so nice to not have to be kind of planning this pre and post thing. It's just kind of what I would do whether I was working out or not. I will say that on the days I work out, I'm generally hungrier. So my meals are bigger. And sometimes I'll have an extra snack in between lunch and dinner. So I am definitely hungrier on those days. And I acknowledge that and I eat more because I want to make sure I'm fueling appropriately. So um, so that's what I do. And it's so easy to not have to overthink it, right? You know, if you're someone that has been in the past of working out quite a bit or in the whole protein shake kind of um thought process, then really things start shifting quite a bit when you go keto because your whole fuel up process has changed because you're constantly fueling your body with ketones regardless of if you ate an hour ago or if you ate six hours ago. You're always having that fuel source available. So I did mention in there the ability of refilling your glycogen stores. So let me talk about that a little bit. We all in our muscles hold glycogen 
and that's kind of it's what our muscles use as their energy source is glycogen. Now, when that gets depleted, that's when if you are someone that's not in ketosis, you will start feeling weak, tired, you won't be able to get through your last set without, you know, kind of failure, I guess. And that's really a sign that your glycogen stores have been depleted. So glycogen is really important for all of us, regardless of you're being active or not, but especially if you are someone who's working out. You need glycogen storage to some degree in your muscles. Now, if you have ketones that you're being fueled by, then you probably don't need the amount that someone who's not in ketosis does because, again, we have this whole different energy source that we can use. So we will go from, you know, so the typical person will deplete their glycogen stores and basically you know, they may use a little bit of fat for fuel, but they won't really get tap into any sort of energy source. And that's when they bonk in their workout and they need to, to refuel. You can especially see this in cases of endurance athletes where they're on, say, a 10, 15 mile run and halfway through, they have to replenish their glycogen. So they take the goo packs or something like that. And they're basically straight sugar. But they kind of have to because they have to replenish what they just burned through. However, if that same person is producing ketones, then, I mean, you can go through that little bit of glycogen that you have stored, which we all will have regardless of if we're in ketosis or not. And then ketones will fuel you so nice and quietly through the rest of that workout so you don't have to take these goo packs and all this stuff with you. That's a case where ketosis is so fabulous for that particular athlete. In the case that we were just looking at with Heather, she wants to stay an endurance athlete and a competitive runner, um, but really still try to heal herself. And so she's in the perfect opportunity to use a ketogenic diet to help her through those runs, give her all the energy that she needs, but then also still work to heal her body at the same time. Because, you know, even if we talk about what we did last week, where we're trying to reduce all the stressors possible in our lives to really truly heal our adrenals and our thyroid and our hormones, ketosis is going to do that, first of all, just by eating enough food, eating really healthy foods and stabilizing your blood sugar. But Also, just that production of ketones and just that presence of ketones is very satisfying to our bodies and keeps us in that homeostasis. So the same thing is going to happen through a really hard workout. Your body is going to know there's plenty of resource to have as energy. So there is no kind of freak out that would happen normally if you're doing a 10, 15 mile run. That freak out is much less if you have ketone production. So if you're someone that likes to do these long distance endurance type sports or workouts, definitely ketosis is the right one for you. Now, going back to that glycogen, we also need that to do things like squat, deadlift, pull-ups, sprints, things like that. We do need glycogen as well. And there is a concern, which is what, uh, Shannon was talking about with things like CrossFit, where you're not getting enough glycogen restored into your muscle for that energy to work. Now, this would be true 
except that there's a whole different aspect, which is that your body will refill glycogen to the level that it needs on its own. So we can do that through a process called gluconeogenesis, which is where your body uses protein. Because remember, we're still eating plenty of protein, right? So your body uses protein to restore your glycogen levels. Um, Because really, you know, if you're someone who is a CrossFitter and you're eating 200 grams of carbohydrates per day, then you're refueling and restocking your glycogen levels probably more than they even need to be. So really, you just have all this glycogen, you have almost an excess of glycogen than what we really need. And when you're in ketosis, your body's still going to do that, but it's just going to drop it down to the level that it actually needs before it will start using ketones as fuel. So in a case of someone who deadlifts, like me, I love to deadlift. It's one of my favorite activities. I deadlift to probably about 90% of my capacity and then I stop and I rest. So and that's, say I'm doing five reps. Rep one, I'm probably using glycogen. I'm using my glycogen stores. Whether I've had carbohydrates or not, my protein has turned to glycogen because my body will do that for me. And now I know that I have the stores that I need regardless of the amount of carbohydrates I've had. So I'm using glycogen for, say, that first one to two reps of heavy deadlift. And then I'm moving into ketones. And then I'm burning ketones and fat as the rest of my workout. So you really only need the glycogen slash sugar for a very short period of time, even in that sprint heavy, high intensity type workout. You only need it for that short amount of time and your body's going to do that and going to provide that for you regardless of the carbohydrates you've had. Now, I will say that you don't it's not that you have to not eat carbohydrates to uh, fuel this workout. It's just I don't want it to be for anyone, like I said, unless you're an NBA player and you're getting ready for the Olympics or something like that where you have a health coach and a fitness coach and a nutrition coach and you're all trying to really optimize your absolute best performance. But for the person like me who just wants to feel really good every day and feel good in my workouts and get stronger and healthier and happier, then I don't need to overthink all of this. But if that means that I feel better And I notice I feel better when I do have, say, a banana before my workout, then I'm going to keep doing that. So I don't want you to also think that you shouldn't have carbs just because you are doing keto and are trying to be a keto worker-outer. You really have to pay attention to those workouts and to your body to find what's best for you. What I'm saying here is that it's you don't need it. It's not a need. It's not a thing where if you don't have that banana 30 minutes before your workout that you're going to collapse and die and have adrenal fatigue and um, you're going to have terrible hormones and all this stuff. Nothing negative is going to happen from not having carbohydrates right before your workout when you are keto and doing anaerobic exercise. Okay. But And this is something I've been experimenting with myself lately. 
do I feel better with a little bit of carbohydrate prior to my workout if I know I'm going to be lifting heavy or doing sprints or jumps or something like that? And quite honestly, I still don't know the answer to that for myself. I actually don't think that I do feel better with carbohydrates. I feel really good in my workouts when I'm in ketosis. I don't see any change at all in my strength or endurance or anything like that. If anything, I can go longer periods of time lifting heavy and doing these uh pretty explosive type movements before I feel fatigued. So if anything, it's working in my favor. But that is something that you can experiment with. I mean, this is where we find, and this is something I'm going to talk about every single episode, this is where we find our keto diet, the one that works for you. If you are someone that works out really hard and feels really good with a little bit of carbohydrate, then go for it. But if you don't, then don't do it. So you you really have to determine where you want to go with that. What I will say is that this is also where we want to talk about carb tolerance because um, more than likely you will have a higher level of carbohydrate tolerance if you are someone that's doing that kind of um, explosive, high intensity with rest type movement because you are burning through those carbohydrates in the form of glycogen right when you start that workout. So you're really going to burn through those and then get right back to ketosis no matter what. And that's what's really nice. And that's really why, like I said, I think I have a higher carb tolerance than a lot of people because of my workouts and how quickly I burn through glycogen pretty much on a daily basis uh, and that really makes it makes me able to, especially on the days that I work out, eat upwards of 75, even sometimes 100 grams of carbohydrates and remain in ketosis because I'm just burning through that glycogen store almost immediately after I eat those carbs. So this is where if you are someone that wants to start tinkering, say you've been in ketosis and you want to start tinkering with adding carbohydrates, first of all, do it with the knowledge that you're going to do it to fuel the very first part of your workout if you are someone that is lifting or doing sprint training or something like that. In that case, first of all, make sure you're in ketosis. So that's the first step. And then you want to experiment with adding in specific carbohydrates 30 minutes to an hour before your workout and see how you feel. Did you like the way that that workout went when you had that carbohydrate, uh, and then also make sure to test your ketones probably three hours or so after that workout and see how you if you stayed in ketosis or not. More than likely, you absolutely will, especially if you're having, say, half a banana or half a sweet potato or something like that before your workout. It's going to be just enough to where you might feel like you have a little bit more energy at the very beginning of that workout but not enough to take you out of ketosis. So that's really cool for all my lifters out there. And really that goes with CrossFit. I know Shannon was specifically asking about CrossFit. I mean, I really find CrossFit hard to define because I know some of the workouts are, you know, you're working out really, really hard at that high intensity, but for longer than two minutes. 
So then it becomes more aerobic than it does anaerobic. No matter what, with that CrossFit style workout, you are going to be in that anaerobic state for some of it. And so you will need a little bit of of that glycogen storage to start the workout for you. Now, like I mentioned in the past, that just means no matter what, your body is going to do that for you. You're going to have enough glycogen storage. So you don't really need to worry about that because as long as you have those ketones, um, you're going to have just the amount of glycogen that you need for that kind of kindling to the workout, and then you'll be right back to using ketones. So no big deal. You'll probably feel great. I actually know quite a few people that do CrossFit and are keto, and they are loving it. Now let's talk about the person who maybe is just walking, doing yoga, those kind of activities, which I absolutely love. I think that that is really, really important for all of us to do, whether we're also doing weightlifting and CrossFit or whatever. We also need to have these really nice walks. We need to do some really good yoga and stretching type activities. I love to dance. So dance is my activity of choice two days a week. I also like to hike and things like that. So when it comes to those kinds of activities, and maybe we're not even thinking, is this aerobic or anaerobic? you can pretty much kind of guess that all of those are aerobic. So in all of those cases, like a yoga class or a hike or a dance class or taking a walk with your dog, those are all longer duration with less high intensity output at any given moment. So it's more of a steady state going through, making that walk last for about an hour and then coming home. And that's a very similar case to... Heather, who is doing these long runs and and is an endurance athlete, very similar case to where your body is just going to go straight to those ketones. And that feels really good. That will make you get through those workouts so much easier, so much faster. You'll just notice there's a little extra pep in your step. If you're walking, you'll just feel really good during those activities. And that's because you're a fat burner. That's because your body's using ketones to fuel that, which means Fat as fuel, fat as fuel, fat as fuel. That's what's constantly going through your brain and it knows there's plenty of that on the body to take care of that workout no matter how long it lasts. And so that's a really safe place to be. So if you're someone that's there and whether you're at the walk level, which I think is awesome, that's the level I'm at for sure, or you're at the run level or you're at the 100 mile bike ride level, something like that, ketosis is gonna be so great for you. Please, please, please give it a shot and let me know how it goes. I want to move on a little bit to the transition to ketosis because I know we have a lot of listeners here who aren't quite sure if they are in ketosis, if they should do ketosis, if they've made the transition yet, that kind of thing. So as it pertains to working out, I do think there are some changes that need to be made. I personally am a big believer that if you are someone who's going to switch into ketosis and kind of take those baby steps that I've been talking about, you know, give yourself three to four weeks to make that transition to a ketogenic diet fully, you also need to take those three to four weeks to chill out on your workouts, especially if you're someone who's really into pushing themselves, working out really hard in the gym, doing sprint work doing explosive movements like jumping and squatting and things like that where, you know, like a very CrossFit style workout too, 
then you need to take a break because in that interim time when there's not the production of ketones happening, that means that glycogen is going to be depleted really quickly and then you're going to bonk. You're not going to, your body's not going to know what to use. There's no signal for the ketone production to start. Nothing is happening to where your body is not going to freak out. So we really need to take it a step back and do more of these aerobic type activities like walking, yoga, hiking, those kinds of activities, which are still really great for our bodies and our fitness level, but aren't going to kind of freak out the body in that capacity because we're just going to have this nice, stable type energy source throughout that workout. And that will really help you actually get into ketosis because remember, any sort of stress on the body is going to be one of the reasons why you can't get into ketosis. Working out extra hard is going to be one of those stressors until you're producing ketones and then things get really awesome and lovely and great. But before that happens, it's going to be a little bit of a freak out and we don't want that to happen when you're trying to get into ketosis because then it's going to be like, well, wait a second, why am I still not in ketosis? Uh, So take it back a notch, do a lot of walking, do a lot of yoga, use it as a time to embrace and allow your body to heal and restore and rest because it's just going to make it that much easier when you are into ketosis to feel really good. So keep that in mind. Um, Take it easy. I would say up until you start feeling and or testing that you're producing ketones in that nutritional ketosis range of 0.5 to 3.0. So if you're testing with a blood ketone meter, which is what I recommend, and I put a link to it in every single podcast show note. That's what I recommend. When you have that test between 0.5 and 3 and are testing ketones, then you can start ramping up your workouts. Or if you just start feeling really, really good, like you have tons of energy, tons of mental clarity, you're not having these high and low blood sugar signals, then you're probably really, really close if you're not already there. Once again, I don't want you to just guess about being in ketosis. Everyone should be testing to know, but you can use both. You can use the signs that you're there and you can use the actual test to show that you're there. Then you can start getting back to your normal workouts, working out a little harder. You'll feel really, really good doing that. Now, if you're someone who's not working out at all, then I'm just going to give you the straight answer here and tell you you need to start. I know that keto is so good for so many things that are very healing to our bodies. And a lot of women are looking in the longer term. We're not looking at a short term now because hopefully you've listened to the first three episodes and know how I feel about weight gain or weight loss. We might be looking for weight loss in the long term. And so if that's the case, Keto is going to be great for you, absolutely, but you also need to move your body. You need to move your body just to be a healthy woman, to have these amazing bones and joint structure. The muscle that supports the bones and joints should be nice and strong. Um, Having the mobility and the range of motion in those joints is so important as we age. And you may not be thinking about it now if you're someone that's younger, in their 20s or 30s. But I'm in my 30s and I was thinking about it years ago because I specifically trained senior citizens and to see how they lacked in range of motion 
just from sitting at a computer or sitting all day long, sitting in a car, whatever their job was, they really started having some significant joint issues. And that led me to be so obsessed with not having those joint issues. So that's where mobility work really comes into play and using all your joints and all their capacity every single day. So I'm a huge, huge advocate for every woman getting some sort of exercise into their day that they love doing. And that's another point. I'm not going to go telling you that you need to go run six miles a day because I personally would never do that. I hate running. And I used to force myself to run because I thought that was the best exercise out there, but I hated it and I dreaded doing it every single day. Just do something that you enjoy. Find something you really like doing. If it's walking your dog, but maybe you've been kind of slacking on how far you walk your dog, maybe walk another mile or so and make it a little bit more of a, of a workout, more of a brisk walk. Uh, if it's yoga, try some new classes. If you love to dance, find some dance classes in your area like I did. It's been the best thing I've ever done. There's just so many other options besides um, you know, the typical things we consider working out. Now, I will also say that, again, used to train senior citizens and really see how the effects of not having enough strength and muscle can really play an important role in how you live your life as you age. So we really do all need to lift weights. We absolutely do all need to do some sort of resistance or strength training to where you are putting some strain on your muscle and trying to build new muscle fibers. That is so, so important. I can't even stress the importance. Again, I have my personal training hat on, so I got to talk about this. You've got to do it. And another thing I will say with strength training is that you have to push yourself. So if you're someone who's doing some strength training at home, then that's great. But if you're, you've been doing five pound dumbbells for the past two years, it's time to increase it. You have to challenge your muscle. You have to really try to get to a point where that feels really hard. But then you get to rest. And that's the beauty of it. So just really find a workout that you love, but then also find a way to incorporate some sort of resistance training into that workout that you love or on the other days or something like that. And I have a feeling that once you get to a point where you are into this routine, you're going to love that strength training portion as well. Maybe it takes hiring a trainer to do so. I think that that is the most invaluable experience ever to have a trainer guiding you through your workouts and pushing you is so important. But maybe it is something that you continue to do at home, but maybe you look at some YouTube videos or download an app that's going to give you some harder workout, something like that. Now, if you know me, then you know that I also feel that those that have any sort of hormonal imbalance or adrenal fatigue or autoimmune disease or anything that's really putting strain on your body, then you do have to modify your workouts to some degree. But that doesn't mean that you need to stop working out entirely. It doesn't mean that you need to only lift five pounds. You know, there's still a lot of room to be as active as you can be while feeling good and continue to keep the strength that you do have or even build new strength 
while really paying attention to your body and really listening and only doing what you can do safely. It could mean that you lift weights for 20 minutes or you go on a one mile walk around the block or you do 15 minutes of flow yoga. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to start pushing yourself beyond your means right now if you're someone that is dealing with a health issue or not quite sure you're at the point where you can push yourself to 90% max or anything like that. I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking for you to uh, listen to your body, but at the same time, push your body a little bit. If you get to that point where you can push yourself to maybe 60, 70, 75% of your kind of capacity, then you're really in the safe place where you're building muscle, you're gaining endurance, you're using that mobility for your body to help your joints, but you're not putting extra stress on your body right now if you're someone that's dealing with stress. So we're going back to the last episode when we talk about that. I hope that makes sense. I mean, I really think that everyone has the capacity to work out, even if you are someone that's Um, dealing with some things. It's just you have to be intuitive with it. It's the same thing as being intuitive with your food and learning how to know if you're truly hungry, what you're hungry for, what sounds good, what would feel good. You can do the same exact thing for your workouts. What workout sounds good? What workout do you want to do? How long should it be before you start feeling tired as opposed to good? There's so much that you can learn by starting to listen to your body, even in this capacity as a workout, to determine what's best and what's not. And just really pay attention to that and don't ignore it. Okay, so that's really, really important. So hopefully this little chat about working out while in a ketogenic state was helpful for you guys in a way to really just kind of let you know that we don't need to overthink it as much as we might currently be doing and just really give you the permission to go by how you feel. I really want you guys to do that instead of looking into Google and seeing what Google's telling you to do. How do you feel doing what you do? If you feel really good, keep doing it. If you don't, change some things and get to a point where you do feel really good. Uh, But keto's definitely not kind of this foreign subject as it relates to working out. I mean, our ancestors, you know, in the Paleolithic era were definitely in ketosis for quite a bit of the time. And we're also doing heavy lifting and sprinting and running and long walks, all of these things. So this is something that's actually created in our bodies to be able to do so. It's not this foreign thing that we're kind of trying to push our bodies into doing. So hopefully that makes you feel a little bit more comfortable with what you are doing and how you're feeling when you're doing it. That's really the point that I wanted to get across with this entire subject is just let's all just figure out what works best for us and just know that being in ketosis is super awesome for our bodies and it will definitely help how you feel in your workouts when done correctly. Okay, I want to address one really quick other question that's not really actually related to working out 
in ketosis, but is a really quick question that I've actually gotten quite a bit even in the past couple weeks. So it's something that I want to address right away because it's a pretty easy answer and it's going to help a lot of you feel a lot better and actually get into ketosis if you're not sure if you're quite there. So the question is, how do I add more fat to my meals and to my day? I've mentioned many times already in the four episodes that I've done of this podcast that you have to eat enough fat to get into ketosis. And that means a lot of fat. We are not just doing a low-carbohydrate diet where we really, really restrict our carbs. We are doing a low-carb, very high-fat ketogenic diet. That's what sets us apart here on the Keto for Women podcast. And so let's chat about how we can really get this going for ourselves. Um, My biggest rule of thumb that I tell everyone to do is to make your plate of food and then add three to four servings of fat onto that plate of food in addition to whatever you already may have on there. So for instance, let's say you made yourself a burger, which you're going to obviously have without the bun and lettuce wrapped or whatever. So on top of that burger, I don't know, maybe you do dairy and you can put a slice of grass-fed cheese on there. You can put some mayo, preferably homemade, (laughs) which we'll talk about. You could put maybe some dressing or some other type of sauce on top of that burger. Maybe you made like a pesto. You could put pesto on top of your burger. That's amazing. You could put an egg. You could put some bacon. Those are some really good fatty options. And then you have some broccoli, maybe. And on top of your broccoli, you're putting a couple pats of butter on there, which makes it taste so much better. A little salt, you got it going on. And then maybe you have a salad too, and on top of that salad, you can put some sunflower seeds or maybe some other type of nut. You could put some avocado. You could put tons of dressing, maybe some olive oil and apple cider vinegar or something like that for your dressing. And then look at that. You suddenly made this low-carb meal, a ketogenic meal, just like that. That's what I'm looking for. That is the difference and what sets us apart. That should happen at every single meal you do. So as you can see, just in that example I just said, you're really getting your fats from additional sources beyond just say, I cook my veggies in butter. Okay, but then you need to do something more than that. You need to really add more to it and top things and have lots of sauces and dressings and mayos, things of that nature. That's where making your own mayo really comes in handy because as most of us know, the mayos out on the store shelves right now, most of them contain really crappy oils that are very inflammatory that we do not want in our diets ever. So canola oil, vegetable oil, soybean oil, those are not the best oils for us. Instead, we can easily make our own avocado oil-based mayo that tastes delicious, super easy to make, and you can always have a jar handy. I do not have a recipe for that. I'm actually using my friend Meg's mayo recipe that from her book that is coming out in December called Keto Freedom. So you guys will all have that recipe very, very soon, a couple more months, but until then, You can go onto Google and just search avocado oil mayo recipe and you'll get 
all kinds of them. Most of them contain avocado oil, an egg, maybe some Dijon mustard, some vinegar or lemon juice, something like that, maybe some salt, and that's pretty much it. They're really, really easy. So I highly recommend making your own mayo. And then what I do is I often use that mayo as a base for other dressings. So in order to make ranch dressing, I add more vinegar to that mayo. I add dill, garlic, salt, and then I basically just whip it up and it becomes a ranch dressing that's actually really, really good and super easy. So when you have things like that, it makes getting your fat intake to the degree that we need it so much easier. You can make a, like a chimichurri or like I mentioned, a pesto or something like that to put on to your meats. I uh, definitely add butter or ghee to all of your vegetables. I'm a huge ghee fan. I don't do a whole lot of dairy, so it takes the dairy solids out of butter, and it's the most delicious flavor ever, I might, I might add. That is a great option. Just really start thinking outside of the box as far as toppings. What sort of fatty toppings can I put onto my veggies, my meats, and that kind of thing? Secondly, you have to choose the fattier cuts of meat. So instead of having chicken breasts, you're having chicken thighs, preferably with the skin on for even a little more fat and plus it tastes so good. You're doing 85% or even lower, 80% perhaps, lean ground beef. You are, and that should be grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, by the way, to make it anti-inflammatory. You're having fish like salmon instead of like a white fish. Um, you're doing bacon and sausage, those kinds of meats instead of maybe like a pork tenderloin or something like that. Those are another really good ideas to get the fats higher without even really noticing, to be honest. And then my third tip is really just to start adding some fats to your drinks as well. So have a tea or coffee in the morning, blend it up with some ghee or butter and coconut oil or MCT oil if you do that. You can do the same thing at night or even during the day if you really want to just to make sure you're getting in that much fat. So those are, I mean, you can really, really increase your fat intake just by having a few of those kind of drinks throughout the day. Uh, and they're delicious as well. Blend it up, use it, either put it in a blender, use an immersion blender, or something like that and it gets nice and frothy and tastes really delicious in the morning. So those are really my tips as to getting more fat in your day. I mean, we don't really have to overthink that either. What you're trying to do is just add more flavor. If you think about the fats being your flavor enhancers, then it becomes really easy because we all wanna load our burgers with as much on top of it as we can, right? So instead of just having mustard on your burger, top it with mayo and avocado and bacon and a fried egg. I mean, that's such an amazing meal. You'll feel so good and satisfied afterwards and it'll keep you full for a really long time too, which is so nice. And that's really where, you know, the kind of when you, the thought process of keto being so satisfying is like when you're having a burger with all of that on top of it, of course, it's going to be really satisfying. You're going to be full for a while. Those are really my tips. I hope that helps. Like I mentioned, the biggest thing that we want to do is get over that fat fear and get over any thought that having too much fat is going to end up being fat on your body because it's just not. That just is not going to happen. You are going to be so sick of eating fat 
and just it won't even be palatable way before it would be too much fat for your body. So when we can get over that, then we can really get into this mindset where we're eating enough fat to get into this awesome, wonderful state of ketosis that's so freeing and, and you just feel really good and it's really healing and it's it's just awesome. So try to get there, get over that fat fear, make your plate, add, th- add three to four more servings of fat on top of that plate and you'll be good to go. The last topic I want to talk about when it comes to working out is that no matter what diet you're choosing to do, you have got to fuel yourself to the proper degree in order to actually see the results, to not put your body into a stressful state, to not go deeper into adrenal fatigue, all of the things we're trying to heal. If you're not eating enough food in general, whether you're in ketosis or not, then you're not going to feel good in your workouts. You're not going to get the results you're looking for, and you're going to start feeling really bad. So keep that in mind. This is one of the harder parts about ketosis is because we can all agree if you've been, if you're someone that's been in the ketogenic state that when you're there, you suddenly have this lack of hunger. And so you can go longer hours without eating and all of a sudden it's been an entire day and you've had one meal. That's where we really have to monitor it and really take control. If you are someone that is working out even moderately, doesn't have to be super high intensity. If you are working out every day at a moderate intensity or for sure at a higher intensity, please fuel yourself properly. Please pay attention to how much food you're eating. If you're in ketosis and you're not hungry, you're still going to have to eat because you have to fuel yourself for those workouts and in between those workouts or else your health is going to tank. So please keep that in mind. Eat enough food. I cannot say it enough. I say it in every episode, but just get used to it because it's going to continue. But definitely if you're on this really high intensity workout plan or even a moderate intensity plan, eat food. Okay, that should do it for us for this episode. Thanks everyone again for tuning in. It was a great one. I love talking about nutrition and I love talking about fitness. So when I get to combine the two, it's like my heaven. I just adore it. So thanks for listening. If you have any further questions, if there's something that needs more clarification for you based on your workouts, let me know. Remember, info at ketoforwomenshow.com is the place for those questions. Or if you have any other questions or topics you would like discussed on future episodes, let me know over there in an email. That would be awesome. I am getting tons of great ideas and great questions. I will get to them all, I promise. I just have a little bit of a queue lined up here, so it's going to take a little bit to get through everybody's, but I promise I will not let any of them go. So if you have some more questions, info at ketoforwomenshow.com, and don't forget to sign up and get the early bird discount for the Fat Burning Female Project. You can go to bit.ly slash female. that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash female and sign up today before that discount is over. Okay, everyone, we have some awesome episodes with some awesome guests coming up over the next few weeks. I can't wait to share them with you. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you automatically get the first dibs on these episodes as soon as they come out. So make sure to subscribe so you can get all these guests we have coming up. You're going to love them. Okay, everybody, take care. See you next week.
Hey lady, do you wanna make sure that you are doing the ketogenic diet the right way for you? Do you wanna make sure you're getting all of those amazing benefits that come with producing ketones and not putting any extra stress on your body? Then head to my website and check out the Fat-Burning Female Project. We have a new class starting soon and I'd love to have you be a part of it. Head to bit.ly slash fatburningfemale that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash fat burning female and make sure to sign up to get a notification of when the next class will be. Can't wait to see you there.